The Vancouver School of Theology is located on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Musqueam people. Welcome to Bruderholz, a podcast of the Vancouver School of Theology, and we have been uh, interviewing the faculty that work here and talking to them about the work they do and its significance for the church and the world. I'm really grateful to be here today with Allison Williams and with uh, Todd Weeb, who hosts our show for us, and today our guest is Rebecca Simpson, one of the faculty at VST. Rebecca is a graduate of Simon Fraser University, and she has been a teacher in biology. Uh, She is a graduate of the Vancouver School of Theology back in 2009, I think it was, and she has been director of Camp Douglas, a Presbyterian camp here in this area of the country on the West Coast. She's also a minister at mission in mission at St. Paul's Presbyterian Church, and she works now at the Vancouver School of Theology doing denominational formation for Presbyterian students. So maybe I could begin with the first question we have. Uh, uh, how long have you taught, Rebecca, and, uh, and why do you do it? Well, um, I'd like to say I've taught here at VST since last January, so just not even a year. Uh, but I also think um, I think I was made to be a teacher, and I've been teaching in a variety of ways uh, for nearly my whole life. Um, why do I do it? I do it because I love learning. And my fascination with learning and what allows for learning to, to happen uh, most readily, most fruitfully, is uh, means that I love the idea of being involved in setting things up so that learners can be successful and and be inspired and uh, get kind of turned on to lifelong learning. So that's why I love teaching. Um, I love teaching here at VST because uh, there's a lot of room for um, interacting with the students and the learner in me uh, gets actually to um, to learn alongside the students. So it's like being on a journey with a group of people who are, who are really keen. Like adult learners are mm. my favorite crowd mm. to teach. So uh, lots of reasons for teaching, um, but I think it's my love of learning. So are you working with um, Presbyterian students only or with more than that? Um, my role here at VST is mainly to help... Uh, Students who are attending VST who are interested in ordination in the Presbyterian Church okay. in Canada, but um, I I am getting some exposure to the students through some of the uh, leadership, the uh, practical theology course that prepares uh, MDiv students and MAPPL students uh, for their final project. So I'm, and then of course I get to interact with lots of mm. students through yeah, conferences and, yeah. and all of that. So if you uh, meet a student, someone who's interested in ordination in the Presbyterian Church, and they're going on that track, what kind of things are you walking them through, in the and in and how many years might you be connected with them? Um, well, I mean, as long as they're doing their MDiv at VST, I would be journeying alongside them. Um, so however long that student takes to do that degree, right. three to seven years, I guess, is the maximum. <laughs> 
But uh, I'm helping them with the candidacy, with with navigating the national church, uh, with the denominational expectations and and the culture, per se. Um, right. And and also, more importantly, I think is. Uh, walking with them through discernment and pointing them constantly to what is it that God's calling you to here and now and and how is it what shape is it going to be um, don't assume you're going to just walk into one of those traditional pulpits yeah. and and kind of yeah. carry on with what you inherit from that particular community what what unique way might you be being formed and called by Christ to to breathe life into and be a part of uh, the changing landscape of the church? Do you guys find that um, st- students are there a lot? Like, are, do you, students come in, and I guess some would have this traditional concept of I'm going to do this, and I'm going to get this job being a minister or something like that. But there's probably a lot of other students who they're not quite clear. They just know this is what they're interested in. Absolutely. And so you're helping different oh, yeah. people in different places. But uh, Yeah, and, and by helping, I'm not saying here's where you can fit in a b or c but rather i'm i'm really intrigued with saying to the person um what are you hearing and feeling and seeing around you that's signaling uh where you fit in or what you might be on the leading edge of that doesn't exist yet that looks like christian community um has the hallmarks of christian community but maybe doesn't fit the traditional box so, so how do I provoke and encourage and, and um, be curious with the student about what is God doing in you and in the world around you? Do you think part of your work um, is about helping students figure out what gifts they have? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, that goes back to why do I teach? It's super exciting to say, you know what, you've got a talent for this or a skill for that. Or how can, you know, so many of students are second career folk or third or fourth career. How is what you've learned in another space going to be a gift to the church? Have you thought about this? Um, that goes to, you touched Richard on my experience as Camp Douglas director. Um, that was That's my favorite part of working with the, the staff is there's like 17 to 25 years old and they're just sort of coming into adulthood and thinking w- they love... They love some aspect of the church. They love the Christian community that they've experienced at camp. It's a total mountaintop experience for them. Now they go off into regular life, and they're looking for how can I be a part of this kind of really fruitful, satisfying Christian community. And I love to say, do you realize you've got some gifts for leadership in Christian community? What's going to happen with that? How can you plug in? And what are you willing to invest in that in terms of your own learning and resources and whatever? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing about VST is it's a great, it's sort of like a, uh, it's, it's a, it's like a huge buffet for, you know, you pay your ticket to get in in terms of like (laughs) your tuition, your, you know, you've got to have some, there's some requirements for you to get to participate. Although the bar is quite low on kind of, um, just 
taking courses in audit form and whatnot. You know, it's very accessible to the community. But but once you're into that milieu of of interesting content, theologically speaking, and then all the different students from diff- different traditions, different Christian traditions, and then other faiths, um, you're, you're just in such a, what do they call it, a think tank? Although it's not so formal and structured, right? It's sort of naturally happening yeah. in and around you. And that's really exciting. It's a really exciting place to be. So, yeah, um, students, young people, I think if they got more of a taste of what's available to them here, w- I don't think we'd be turning people away. Yeah, it, it's... Uh, in Amen. <laughs> um, Rebecca, you've sort of, you're gesturing in the direction of this question. Um, uh, how does what you, I can hear it in the tone of your voice, you know, that you're doing what you love. Yeah. And so how does, how, how does what you do matter for the church? How does it make a difference for the church just now uh, with, uh, uh, well, I mean, th- there's all kinds of things you could talk about when you talk about just now. You know, the, the experience of some decline, the experience of during doing church during COVID-19 and all of the new skills the clergy have had but uh, to, to learn. So um, how does what we're doing right now at VST and what you're doing right now as v- VST uh, matter for the church as it is? Um, I think there's a few things that come to mind for me. Um, one of the things is that I am currently still involved in leading a congregation, a, a very typical Canadian Presbyterian congregation. It's about two hours east of Vancouver, so it's not big city. It's, it's got nothing special about it. Sorry, folks at St. Paul's, you're all <laughs> incredibly precious and special, of course. But we're, we're also quite unremarkable. Right. Um, and I've been there for 10 years. And so when I come to the classroom and a student asks me, like just yesterday, how do the finances of a church work? And I look at kind of my course outline and I think, wow, where, where do we cover this? Where do we talk honestly right. about how, what's the reality of how this works, right? So what I do matters to the church because now I'm on to a big blind spot, of how we prepare our clergy, uh, how or leaders for alternative uh, ministries in the church. We we finances are a reality. Let's talk about it. Let's figure it out, and that's going to lead us onto a path of of exploration and um, entrepreneurial kind of innovative approaches to things, which is what the church of today needs. We need leaders who have stamina. Mm who know where to go for sustenance because the landscape is changing. And if anyone tells you they know where the church is headed, (laughs) well, (laughs) I'd love to have a conversation with that person. They would have told you that 19 months ago or something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think that the the leaders that I'm listening to, that I'm interested in in, and tagging along with are people who are saying, hey, we don't know what is going on, but how do we lean into and take advantage of the the really like radical pruning that's happening to the church today because if we can go with that and and see what god's holy spirit is doing in that pruning we know what happens to a bush that gets that gets a real good pruning like it it blooms really bright and and more abundantly more thick more vigorously um 
in response to that pruning. And I really think that's what's happening to the church. We just don't know how far and how deep the pruning is going to go. And so that that sustaining, um, you know, I'm, I'm big on talking to students about spiritual formation, about how they can model uh, healthy spiritual and diligent uh, intentional spiritual formation for the people who they're in leadership with and for, and then for themselves, right? So like the class we did yesterday was entitled A Discipline of Public and Private Prayer. And how does that... Um, take us beyond, uh, like I said, what we inherit as the the tradition of yesterday. Uh, The other thing that I think is important about what I do for the church is, to be honest, there's some days where I say, hey, God, I did what I need to do because I just beat a woman. (laughs) Sorry, that's not very good grammar. But I was a woman. I I inhabit a space as an ordained woman for the church. And I know Presbyterians and anyone around VST, we just take that for granted. Like, it's a big deal. Your womanhood or your manhood or your whateverhood doesn't really matter, right? We we understand our identity is in Christ, except that so much of the church still cares. The memory, the kind of... Oh, who people are willing to listen to. I, I have to show up at the ministerial breakfast once a month among every other denomination around the table does not yet ordain women. So I walk into that crowd and I be an ordained woman who sits at the table and actually gets invited to preach at the ecumenical Good Friday mm-hmm. service. I missed the meeting where they decided the preacher. Of course they, you did. They said yeah, I've, <laughs> I've been in those meetings. Yeah. Not, not that particular one. Yeah, but, yes. but, but they let me know after, Rebecca, we decided you're going to preach. And, and I thought, okay, this is like really interesting ground for me to navigate. Because I, then I had to preach in front of a whole crowd of people who, who follow ministers and priests or uh, pastors who don't, who follow a denomination, who don't ordain women. Yeah. And I preach the Good Friday service, right? And so um, we forget that. It's a huge piece. It's beautiful to be at VST and to think this is not an issue here. But it's also beautiful to have another to have a foot in that world oh, where yeah. it is still an issue. And the students that you're sending out and sure. they're going to encounter into that their... World, yeah. yeah, I'm sending them out into that world, absolutely. And, and like... The ministerial could be a scary place for people to go. But I can say, try it anyway. Get in there and get to know people and, yeah, and I like that. be a woman. The I, I'm picture I have this picture in my head as you're speaking, Rebecca, that like of students and students who like it's quite a concept that there would be young people in the world who would consider ordained ministry. <laughs> like right now, you know what I mean? And there's something so wonderful about that and you're in a position where because of your experience including right now in the church and uh, your experience in the church and then your uh, work here at vst i'm picturing those students coming to you and you kind of holding the real sense of what it means to be a minister and then yet seeing someone who's young and isn't there yet and do you think that i, I have a sense that many students have dropped some of those romanticized notions of what it means to be a minister because many of them have grown up in churches that aren't full of people and coming, you know so something about them is drawing them towards this when they some of those things in their mind are already you know corrected but yet you also know 
oh, you must kind of look at them and go, oh, like they're going to have to deal with this and this and this and this and some of the loneliness that, ha how do you, you know, what about that kind of interaction with students, right? Because that I'm, must be great. It, it, it absolutely is. And like that's, that's my, probably one of my favorite things about being a teacher um, because I didn't find it easy. Uh, my high school math teacher said that the best math teachers are people who math didn't come easy to them, right? So my pathway into ministry was not easy at all. And so I know some pitfalls, and I do know the loneliness. But like my cohort of, uh, of kind of folks who graduated seminary and came to work in my particular presbytery at the same time who are my age my same stage of parenting and marriage and whatever um they were all men and they would go and have uh, a great time at a some rich fellow in the presbytery would lend them his cabin and whistler and they'd <laughs> head out there and they would they would you know, drink scotch and preach to each other. Already been at one of those meetings. <laughs> and do yeah. and do a pulpit swap and 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 carry on, right? And I'm like, some of these people were, you know, they were my well, they were all my colleagues. Some of them were actually my friends. I worked with them through the Camp Douglas ministry, but could I be invited to that gathering? Honestly, I couldn't. Because what's one woman, you know, the scandal in the church, like yeah, <laughs> lone well, female pastor at Whistler with. <laughs> anyway, so, but the, the point being, I had to learn where, where do I plug in yeah. and find collegiality as a minister? I figured it out. Um, and, and it was actually some of that cohort mm -hmm. who listened to my concerns and, uh, and pointed me in a direction that was really helpful. And, and I, I, was, I was grateful to them, right? Um, they didn't leave me out, but they, right. but you know, Sometimes we had to be creative about yeah, how, yeah. how it could happen. And I had that help. And so now I know what that's like. And I can say to the students, look, these are your challenges. It's still worthwhile. Keep going, that's, that's so keep great. going. And when this challenge comes and that challenge comes, this is how you'll be sustained. Right. And it's plugging into a uh, different venues to experience God's Holy Spirit sustaining you and it happens through collegiality and through uh, spiritual direction and through uh, you know developing a rhythm of of um, retreat and Sabbath and all of that all that good stuff but like I can say I lived it and this is really important it sounds like one of the things you exemplify as well as, as talk about in students is really important is that people need to see problems as opportunities. Um, that, that, that's a real skill set just now. I mean, it's not difficult to go out and see that this or that or the other is wrong, but how do you negotiate that? Is it, do, you, do you think that's an important skill just now? Absolutely. It's so easy to get negative, but like COVID, when I kind of, got over the fact that I had to all of a sudden go on YouTube, uh, mortifying this, the doing this podcast is uh, like, it's, it's so easy. It's very similar to <laughs> yeah. that feeling of like, Oh, putting myself out there in a way that like, I don't even really like having my name on the church sign, but okay. Um, so once I kind of got over that feeling of this is really new and bizarre and not what I thought I signed up for, um, then I started to see, this is an opportunity. 
Because all of a sudden, all the bugaboos, all that, we can't do it that way in my congregation. Mm-hmm. They're like, you mean we could we could get together and, and we don't have to just have that one person playing the piano. We could just, like, we could listen to yeah. music. We could, we, everything was opportune. Everything was icing. Every little bit of what we got to do together as yeah. Christian community was icing on the cake. And we could, we also had a whole year of not being able to do very much. Yeah. And all my elders, like my session of elders grew during COVID because people were finally not doing all the hollow busy work that I've literally been struggling to get them to let go of for so long, right? They're like, they have new energy for the deeper work of spiritual leadership of the congregation. And we've, we've, that's why I use that idea of being pruned. Um, We've been paring back and that's opportunity to make room for what, what new thing is God calling us to? I think of that with places like VST, because having sat in a number of classes here and working with some of the people that you are referring to, and I can think back over just the years I've had association with VST and virtually everything I've gone to, the challenges are there. Okay, here's the questions we should be asking in terms of the future of ministry, church work, what it means to have Christian vocation, and 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 uh, never have things exploded to such a point where it's like, oh, now we have no choice but to ask those questions. And we're not asking them from within this given context anymore because to some degree, nothing is given. There's not even, we don't even know if people are meeting in person or if it's hybrid or whatever. So it brings huge challenges. And I think, you know, we were mentioning before we started recording that this is a tough season for, for many people, businesses that, that, that aren't churches. And, you know, so it's not just to say churches, but in terms of what we're talking about here today, it's a, it's a really difficult time for ministers, as you know, to try to kind of, you know, and a lot of that is because nothing's given anymore. And so they're trying to, you know, get enough people there to keep something going and nothing is certain in terms of who's going to help out and all those kinds of things. But that, in a place like this, can, can really um, inform what's happening here because now you can talk to students too and say, you know, you're walking, there's no certainty with what you're walking into, but that's what's to yeah. some degree good about it. But you know what? <laughs> All of our ministers who are out in that struggling church need to step back into the seminary and be reminded why, what, that everything that we do depends on God. That everything that we do is grounded in, in Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that we could be temporarily... Uh, duped into thinking it's about what we do and if we do it right yeah it'll be quote-unquote successful but it's in the seminary when uh you know i imagine in like richard's uh reformed theology class where we're going to hear that that all of life is grounded in what god empowers and if we can't lean into that in the church (laughs) My yeah. goodness. Why are we doing this? What, what the heck? <laughs> yeah. So I guess like it it's one thing to uh, acknowledge God's power in your life when when you're riding high on the hog, but what but it's when you're down on your knees and you don't have anywhere else to turn that you become most clear about what it is that God empowers in your life. And so I think that leaning into that and 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 working from that that 
that's our that's our foundation and that that's solid yeah what uh, i love what you said the pruning piece i like that a lot because it's in the bible right <laughs> uh, the john but 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 i hear you saying too that a time like this for clergy for leaders for christians in general um it's a clarifying exercise in other words, what can you really count on? I know Walter Brueggemann says, hope is the conviction that God has not quit, right? Um, and um, I just love that kind of clarification piece uh, because there's, uh, churches can be extremely busy places and busy about things that could be done or not be done. But I hear you saying it It kind of, desperation is our friend in some ways because it, it's a clarifying exercise. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it's opportunity to uh, reflect on, I mean, who wouldn't love to walk into a blank slate and, and kind of build from the ground up something am- amazing, their favorite things, um, well, we can do that. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's no, there's no more required. I mean, beyond um, our theology, obviously. But, but there's, a, in terms of what's the shape of this Christian community, it's opportunity, uh, shape it anew. And and I think that the church too is even liquid, liquidating some of its resources in a way to make them more available to these reshaped Christian communities. Hmm. You, I picture like being in a class, either a class that with you or a, di- a different class here at VST, and in, in regards to subject matter, right? And so now I'm trying to bring together those students who feel some kind of pull or call towards ordination, towards you know that that kind of Christian vocation. Um, where have you seen some of that subject matter, like in the classroom or in the teaching environment, where kind of those lights go? Out? on with students where you're just like, oh, this is great because these worlds are being connected. (laughs) And how have you seen that here at VST? Well, I mean, this is the coolest thing I get to do is I'm kind of like the Presbyterian finishing school um, (laughs) classes is what what I'm teaching. Um, And so I imagine it's very similar for um, the other directors of denominational formation, the Anglican and the United Church. Um, But... Uh, you know, some would call it tips and tricks, but mm. but I, I'm I'm we're working on the practical stuff of what's this really going to look like now, right? You're ready to move out into the real world, and how are you going to apply this, right? So this is the this is the point in the worship service where you have the charge mm-hmm. and the sending, the the benediction. So. Um, I'm seeing the students at varying levels because they don't have to take my courses at the end, but um, they are mm. coming and saying, it's finally clicking. Mm. I get where I'm going and why I'm going there and who I am and what I'm here to do. And now many of these students would have done some kind of practicum or they'd be volunteer leaders. Oh, in yeah. Place, so they know. Yeah. They, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Having the pract- having done the practicum, it makes them hungrier learners. And here, here's what I mean. I've noticed that we teach things like preaching, and it's one thing when you're a student, but after you've tried it for five or six years, you're a different sort of student when you come back to a preaching course. 100%, yeah. Um, and and what, I mean, the students are all at different, like I said, different levels. Uh, we can't assume that every student is born and bred Presbyterian or whatever denomination anymore. And so they're coming and they're, I am benefiting from the outsider's point of view. 
Um, and I get to then go back and have my little congregation, like a little lab. I can try it out, right? Um, I had a student say to me yesterday, uh, the church is not intuitive. You can't just show up and realize this is how it works and this is why it works that way. And that, I mean, what a profound insight yeah. for her to share with all of us to say, okay, so if it's not intuitive, what is it then? Right. And, and how do we address that? Yeah, it's, it's like it just that, that moment, and it's one of the things that's exciting to me about a place like VST, particularly as, as enrollment is going up and more participation is happening, more community connections, and those moments where this, the, the uh, theological institution, educational institution, and the church come together and students see that, and it strikes me that you're in a place where that's kind of the space that you inhabit, right? Yeah. Is that you're always, because it's more so than some of the others who are partnering here and working here as well. Mm -hmm. All the questions here, like there's a there's a closer connection between, okay, this, this student, what's it going to look like for that student to be serving a congregation in whatever role? And yeah. there's positive and negative with that as well too, right? That, Absolutely. Um, I think it's, uh, I endeavor to, to see what is the spe particular makeup of that student and what God's calling them to, to be and do and where, where can we like make space for that person to be in leadership yeah. according to their gifts and skills. I mean, that's really exciting. Um, but I think VST is a special place because there's a, there's a responsiveness to the questions of the students and to the the lay of the land changing um and like it's a relatively smaller-ish school right. um but that means that it can shift course it can you know intentionally but we can hear what the students are yeah. are saying and doing and experiencing and what the church is saying and doing and experiencing and we we can speak into that space and help uh, um, a match and something beautiful come out of that and so that responsiveness. I really see is that. Really I important. see that with um, students that I know from here, recent graduates that I know, um, and I think it's one of the gifts of a place like this, and that you're able to do it, uh, is that those students. Uh, it's not like there's some kind of factory here that's you know in this and, and out you go and and now we're done with you. It's you know, and it's actual relationships, right? Where these students who've graduated still you know, have that relationship with um, faculty, you know, all kinds of different people here. And, and it does inform then the work. Yeah. And that is... And that, I mean, hey, if, if I send them out with some false idea of what ministry is going to look like, they're going to get back to me and say, hold me to account. What the heck? That's not what you said. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a special kind of, um, uh, I feel a special kind of responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. To, to sort of build on this point, Rebecca, what have you found? Um, I, I'm teaching here too, but I found w one of the interesting dynamics in the classroom is the number of international students we're getting. Yes. And we're getting a fair number who are from Reformed backgrounds elsewhere in the world. Yeah. But what does that do to the classroom, or how is that interesting to you? It's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, I'm sitting in a classroom where we've got uh, a fellow from the Church of Scotland tuning in. He is literally in Scotland, uh, coming in on Zoom and sharing about his his background and his experience and his his um, journey of coming to Canada. And then at the same time, students, tons of students from the United States, but also from other places in the world. Um, I had a conversation with a student recently. He's 
he is in Zimbabwe, and he is taking the Presbyterian Church in Canada's history course uh, because he's been given uh, an allowance by the church to come, and he's just got to take some some kind of what's the Presbyterian Church in Canada look like courses, right? And he said, well, I can't get that book because, yeah. like... <laughs> It's not, it's not really it's, around here. It's going to take me like 12 months to receive it by Amazon, yeah. right? So I've got a problem solve with him, and, and we've got to meet online at a time when his internet uh, bandwidth is like available, right? So for me, at, that's at noon, right? That's 9 o'clock his time. Lucky that that works out for us. Uh-huh. Uh, but he's sharing with me what it's like to be a Presbyterian pastor in Zimbabwe. And I'm saying, wow. What do I learn from this and share? And how do the students in class with him get to learn from his oh, context, okay. right? And, and yeah, reformed students from, uh, from uh, all over the world who may not even see themselves as fully Presbyterian, they've got, they've got places here at BST to fit in. What, what are some of the things that, I mean, we've touched upon a lot of the real positives and some of the joys that you would have in the work, like, you know, the feeling of um, meaning and purpose and making a difference. And um, when I'm thinking about students uh, heading towards ministry, so I, I'm not necessarily asking for an answer on this first question, but because there's always that, having been a pastor for years myself, I can look at some younger people and think, I, I don't know. I, it winds up becoming a prayer for me. I, I don't know if they'll be able to take it. Like, because it, it comes with a lot of, as you've named some of the things, but... Um, so that might be one of them, but what are some of the challenges? We've talked about some of the joys. What are some of the challenges for you particularly in this work and maybe bridging these two parts of this world? Well, we were joking before we started the podcast of what it, what's it like to be a part-time person in ministry and, and part-time uh, serving a congregation in a part-time way is becoming more and more a reality. And so... Um, and that's a place where you had been full-time. I right? Yes. I, I, I originally, when I graduated from VST, I was dead tired having uh, started here when my third child was six months old. Took my degree. I figured I'd be on the seven-year track, but I actually got it done in four years. Three little kids at home. Thank you, Mom. Um, but I, I was so tired, I couldn't imagine like seeking a call in a congregation. I worked part-time for our local Presbyterian camp as director not ordained, uh, pittance of money, right? Right. Uh, Fell in love with a congregation where I did pulpit supply regularly, and when they were ready to call someone full-time, I I threw my name in the hat, um, in the ring, whatever. I don't know what the metaphor is. but um, Either one. Hat or ring or hat in the ring. (laughs) So I I dove (laughs) in, and, and I actually came with a proposal. I said, hey, I don't feel like my work at the camp is finished. Would you take me full-time with you and and second me for a time with camp and because because I just feel like there's there's untapped potential and I'm not done here and they said okay let's let's go for it let's try it right uh we did that for a time uh we brought up a a second director I stepped away from the camp I was full-time at St. Paul's for a long time not looking anywhere like we've got a big project uh planned out there for an alternative ministry. And now I get a call saying, come be the director of denominational formation. And I was like, what? Uh, Teaching, I love teaching, love to do that, right? 
Uh, so here I am with two part-time positions again, seconded from my full-time ministry into half-time here with VST. Awesome, except that's like t- more than yeah. more than part-time. So I know what it's like to be just part-time to and to need more and to want more. And I know what it's like to be more than part-time. And I think that that's, those, mm. that's just the reality of what's happening. And I also know what it's like to say, I think God's given me an idea and, and lead in the proposal, right? Because right? like our Presbyterian polity is like, you, you can't come and say, hey, how about this? What do you mean? <laughs> but except that now we're starting to say, uh, who's got an idea yeah. here? <laughs> That's right. What? Desperation is our friend. <laughs> what, what might that idea, can you like put enough uh, kind of logic behind that and theological uh, reflection on that idea that we could maybe see it as plausible? Uh, how experimental are we going to be? How do we gauge success? What is failure? Is that okay to fail? What are we going to learn from it? How do we... So like I'm in it and the students, I can say I've, what are the challenges? The challenges are you get strung out, you get mm-hmm. burnt out. And let me tell you what burns you out. It is not doing too many hours of work. It is when the work that you're doing and your expectations don't match. Mm-hmm. It is when you carry the burden for the success of something mm-hmm. far beyond what is your burden to carry. So to have that conversation with someone who's just starting out mm-hmm. is like gold. Like, I'm just chomping at the bit to talk to people about that. Do you think that your experience just now doing, uh, having two positions at once um, might be part of the future for a lot of the people we're training? In other words, by vocational ministry. No one knows the exact future, but that's a probable scenario. I mean, it's happening in places. Absolutely. By vocational or as they say, co-vocational, right? Two two complementary aspects of, of church or parachurch involvement. Um, and like, that's where in my community, I've gotten involved with uh, what used to be called Youth for Christ, it's now Youth Unlimited. Uh, theologically, are we in the same uh, realm? Eh, yeah. We're <laughs> a Venn diagram, there's some perfect, overlap, right? That's a perfect but, theological analysis then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know what, we like, what an awesome thing I've learned from walking with that that parachurch organization and seeing how their their folks, uh, missionaries, urban missionaries, are accomplishing uh, their work and and they're piecing it together. But you know, the the long and the short of it is, if you're called, you're called. Mm-hmm. And how many students' stories have you heard where they said I? I pushed back and I said, no, I'm not. I heard the call and I said, no, 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 no. And God just would not leave me alone. Everywhere I turned, I was being called. I was being called. Finally, I relented. I gave in. Here I am. Now what? Um, God's not going to go to the trouble of chasing you down and hassling you that much and then not give you a fruitful place to serve. And we just have to like, like lay back into that. Or stand strong on that. This would be something like both of you, either one of you, both of you could kind of speak to this. As you describe that, I'm picturing a student in a class, like, so say they're three years, four years, five years, seven years, however many years they're connected with VST in terms of taking classes and the rest. And they're discerning call. And they're, in a way, there must be a time for students when that, when they're uncertain about that call then. 
they were certain enough when they signed up for VST. They were, but there's that kind of wasteland or the doldrums or whatever you'd call it, where they're like, which I think would be a necessary part of that discernment, right? But what's it like to come alongside students at that point? Well, I mean, my experience of of theological education was like I feel like I walked in into VST with like a little Lego castle, and that was my faith. And as I sat in class, the professors were helping me to take all the building blocks apart, right? And and I I had this feeling like I'm sitting at a big table, and I got my my castle of my faith. It's 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 been demolished. It's all in pieces on the table and it spread all out and I had this feeling like are there some sliding off the edge of the table um I gotta reach and and make sure I keep it all and then that that little moment of crisis of 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 deconstruction it only lasted a short time before I realized wait a minute they're not going to leave me in this place where I've taken it all apart. They're actually helping me to inspect each block of my faith and my theology and my understanding of the church and put it in place, and I know why it's there. I know where it belongs, and I know why it's there. And remarkably, most of those blocks ended up back as part of my little Lego castle. But I knew the ones that didn't belong anymore. I knew why they weren't mm. there. Good and description. Yeah, it just so yeah, it's really uncomfortable, and I think the profs here um, actually s they spoke into that process, and and there was a comfort in knowing uh, they're not going to leave us with everything just in pieces, but it's okay. It's a safe place to take it apart and inspect it and and put it back together intentionally with with conviction. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the same thing about the ecumenical aspects of the school. I mean, the Thursday community worship was was a, sometimes a very intense experience for me. I came away with like a profound appreciation for the beauty of of like an Anglican worship yeah. service, and and I I could go in the morning and and sit with the Anglicans and and read the prayers out of the books, right? right? And I could, I could appreciate the United Church students and, and their favorite hymns that I learned. And I came back to my Presbyterian congregation. And I was like, I miss that beautiful hymn that we sing in the UCC. Um, but I also came away knowing why I was a Presbyterian. Yeah, sure. Right? Like, so appreciating the beauty of other traditions mm -hmm. and being consolidated in, in really like I didn't just fall into being a Presbyterian. I chose. I rechose that that expression of faith, um, and I know why I belong there. So that it, that it, there's just a lot of formation experiences that happen. Being in the classroom, watching the students go through that, it's just it's it's nothing but good. Yeah, yeah, I think that's one of the things we really strive to do at VST. I I wonder if when I did my theological education, it wasn't better at deconstruction and that you could graduate at the wrong moment, you know, where you hadn't something now to offer. But I think my experience of incoming students is more and more that they're here on an inkling, uh, and there's a lot of migration between degrees. People are testing a call coming here. And by saying that out loud to an incoming class, it's like, oh, okay, I, uh, very good. I'm figuring it out as I go. 
And um, one of the questions I ask in the introduction to theology class, when students introduce themselves at the beginning, is, you know, why are you here? Because I need this course to help you do what God is calling you to do. And these are wonderful moments. Um, oftentimes, you know, it's supposed to be a class, but you could say amen after mm. people talk about how they've been summoned by something outside of themselves to do a thing. And so they come as hungry learners, uh, learners who are taking things in to fulfill a kind of life um, in the service of God. But, but at the same time, other people are kind of figuring that out, and they listen to this. And um, it's, I mean, to me, it's sort of like when you go to church some Sundays and you're not sure if you even want to be there, but then other people start singing, and they sing you into singing. And you don't really feel like praying, but they pray you into praying. And I think some of that happens with a kind of resonance when people are speaking about their life's work here. Um, uh, I wanted to ask uh, th this this a uh, big question here uh, of uh, of Rebecca because I, I hear the tone in her voice. She, uh, you're into what you do, um, uh, and and that I mean I think that's true of our professorial staff. Not to give a commercial, but I, I, I want to ask you this: Why are you hopeful? So so there's lots of reasons not to be, and you don't have to be a genius to find them. Um, why are you hopeful? Um, I I'm hopeful. Because I just firmly believe that the church is the bride of Christ. And, and that surpasses any uh, particular expression of the institution that is, is available to us right now to criticize and denigrate. Um, there, you know, I had a, in a prayer time, I had like a picture come to me of, uh, I was just praying to God, uh, you know, on the heels of, like, all that's continuing to be revealed about residential schools and, and, and grieving. Wh what, like, what, how did the church come to this? What, how can we be this? Um, and, and I saw, had this, like, image of Jesus, just like this giant Jesus, you know, where you just, the hem fills the, fills the temple. Um, and he's, he's, stomping clomping uh over you know from across the field that is near my little church building in mission and he walks over and leans over and we uh, into the land around my building uh, of the church I serve and and out comes uh the bride she she just like comes right up out of the ground dusts herself off the two of them are are like giants and they look at each other and they're smiling and they, they, he reaches out and dusts her off. They greet each other and they, they literally turn and, and I'm in this vision. I'm just little in my church office, right? And it's like my, That's it's so like good. my church building is the, you know, I can see right through the roof and I can see them and they, they smile at each other. They greet each other. They embrace and they walk off together into the sunset. And I'm little me in the building going, whoa, whoa, wait, about me. what about me? Like, I spent a few minutes after that little picture came to me trying to insert myself. Like, could I get into the, you know, front pocket of, like, Jesus? Uh, like, you know, where you'd put your pen. Um, uh, like, I could come. I, but, like, they were happy. There, there's a life to the church that that's going to walk away from me and my building and the land we hope to sell and all that we hope to be and everything's going to be all right. That's where my hope lies. And so if I if I can, you know, stay rooted in 
the truth of of Christ's church beyond me, beyond any of us, uh, who couldn't have hope? That's a nice picture of an eschatological mm-hmm. hope, you know, including us but beyond us as well, right? What a beautiful It sounds thing. like the conclusion of a Flannery O'Connor yeah. novel. <laughs> it does. Well, you know, it does it doesn't it it, it may have been well uh I did pre- decide to preach during COVID. I decided to just preach right through the book of Revelation. Um, and so I'm sure it's, it's a little, little bit, influenced it is, by it that. It is beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful I mean, uh, that's a gift, right? Like that's, where does my hope come from? Like, yeah, I, when I just sit by myself and think, what can I do? I don't have a lot of hope. <laughs> I am not a very effective person. But my hope comes in those those bits and pieces of signs and wonders that Jesus uh, is risen and so is his church and if I, I I'm okay that I'm that little person in the in my little church office saying me too me too don't leave me behind I want to be part of it like there is freedom in that picture though we've all three of us have served in churches and there's a freedom that you have to have in in serving where you realize you know it was it wasn't ever about you and uh thank and god to see that picture thank at the god end, it's yeah. not about yeah, me yeah, yeah. <laughs> no and it brings it brings you back to the point of that you talked about a sense of call um you know because monday comes and every clergy many clergy take monday off and it's usually the day you reconsider and will you be called again for the next week right for sure yeah and yeah Hey, I get tired. I I often think, how many things could I quit today? (laughs) I have so many things I could quit today. I never took Um, Mondays off because I always thought, you know, those are the days you you see reconsidering, second guessing, and all. Kind of, you're like, I thought, I don't, you know, I don't want to give that day to my family. I'll, (laughs) you know, I I want a better day from it. But uh, you know, it is something that's still even common practice, right? But but the pruning piece, I come back to that. You know, the clarifying exercise that, you know, you return back. You're called and you're recalled. You you know, uh, as time goes through this. uh, Well, and and what's the point of resisting? Hmm. Why not? Why not uh, actually rest in the pruning? Amen. Well, I, I want to thank Rebecca for sharing uh, her yeah. thoughts with us today. It was just wonderful. Thank you, uh, Todd, again for hosting us, and thank you, Allison. J- just on so the board. on the board, j- just so you know, there was a parity in gender representation in this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and everybody is connected to VSD. Allison's a student here. So Indeed, she is. Uh, yeah. So thank you very well, much. Thank you. Thanks so much, thank Rebecca. You. Bruderholz is a production of the Vancouver School of Theology. For more information about VST, visit vst.edu. Thanks for listening to Bruderholz. Bruderholz.